When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Dustin Hawkinsmith. Welcome in. It's the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn State Health. Talking all things Penn State football. That's Bob Flounders. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. And Bob, the theme of the week, the theme of the month. Penn State recruiting starting to pick up. You saw a really big official visit weekend last weekend. Uh, you're going to see a little bit more of that here coming up. And you've gotten to see some movement so far. So I think the la- since you and I last talked, they got a commitment from Tyreek Blanding, who's a three-star defensive tackle from Virginia. And most recently, they got a commitment from Tamarian Parker, who's a four-star edge rusher from Alabama, who apparently just had the official visit of all official visits, (laughs) saw everything he wanted to see. His family saw everything he wanted to see, uh, and and he ended up committing, uh, said he was shutting everything down, wasn't taking any of the visits that he had previously planned. So my first thought with that was, you know, this is the James Franklin effect. You just never know when one of these sales pitch weekends can go like this with a guy who's from Alabama. Yeah, it's and it's surprising on a lot of uh, fronts. Throughout his time at Penn State, James has gotten some guys out of the South. But most people associate that as like Florida, and they point to Cider, and, and with good reason. But early in his Penn State career, James was able to get some players from the South. I think a couple of them were uh, Vanderbilt flips like Grant Haley. I think Christian Campbell, Terrence Brown were all Southern guys. One of the Cawthorns, I think Parker Cawthorn, the big nose tackle, was a Southern guy, but a lot of those guys weren't really high-profile recruits. And now it's interesting to see now when they do, Penn State does get guys out of the South the last few years, they are guys that Penn State has targeted, but also a lot of other programs have targeted as well. It'll be interesting to see, Dustin, if this kid did indeed have the visit of his life and, and is Penn State's the school of his dreams. But I'm always curious about players from the South Coming to Penn State, because it is it is a little bit of a change, not only the weather, the culture, State College is a small, is a very, very small, uh, secluded area. I remember another Alabama kid, you know, Harrison Wallace III, Trey Wallace, who was uh, is the second year wide receiver from Alabama, talked to him uh, after spring practice. And he's like, man, it did take a little while to get used to that cold. I'd never seen snow. You know, he was talking about the Michigan State road trip. So Franklin's staff just must kick ass if i can say ass in this vein uh on this podcast on these official the the official visits he must be really uh kind of ramping those up because to to do this to get a kid like this from alabama a pass rusher a four-star um someone they desperately need 
he he must have said all the right things, done all the right moves. And I'm just real curious to see how this is going to play out. But kudos to Penn State um, because defensive linemen, talented defensive linemen, it's always a critical area and you can never have enough. I think these visit weekends, um, you, you combine Franklin's, obviously Franklin's experience in college football, his experience as a head coach, his meticulous, meticulous attention to detail in terms of planning out what's going on, you know, how, how the, how these weekends are structured, who goes where, what food they're serving. I'm sure he's got a hand in all of that stuff. And then you throw in, you know, what I really feel like is a staff that has some just like authentically cool guys on it. You know, they, they seem re- very, very relatable, very easy to like. John Scott Jr., very easy to like. I think there's track record for development. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in their, in their favor, uh, on a weekend like this, especially when they're really, really rolling out the red carpet, when it's a very strategic weekend like last weekend was. Uh, and I'll tell you, man, Tamarian Parker is a good, good player. You know, he's 6'4", 255. You know, you, I watched a highlight reel of his sacks, which granted all the good stuff that he did. But what I saw was a guy who was winning with his hands, with his footwork. He was going inside. He was going outside. He was going through guys. He was straight arming. He was going around guys. He had a, he seemed to have a really, really good instinctive feel for getting after the passer. I think he's built well enough to, to see him maybe playing pretty early. He looks like a guy just like De- uh, Denai Dennis Sutton this year who can probably be a year one impact guy because he's built for it. He looks strong and quick enough and he looks like he's got a pretty full arsenal of moves. And, you know, I, I think what they're doing, Bob, is kind of lining some of these guys up. Chop Robinson, who's coming in from Maryland, has three years of eligibility left. Uh, Jameel Lyons is a four star in the 23 class. They've got Devon Townley and Rodney McGraw, uh, who are both redshirt freshmen. I mean, they, they've got some pretty nice young talent at the position, even though there are some questions about how it translates this fall. Yeah, and I think that uh, when you're talking about high-end four, borderline five-star players, I think anymore, Dustin, I don't know that, that, that necessarily – we've always thrown out that bromide, hey, they want to play. They want to play for Big Ten championships. They want to they play in the play. I don't know if that's the priority anymore. I think it's immediate path to playing time. It's also about Penn State's track record. of. Uh, if you look at their last four NFL drafts, they've had six, seven, eight guys drafted every year. So it's also about their winner, their strength and conditioning program. And you look especially at the defensive end position, what they've been able to do with guys like uh, Odafe Owe, even Shaka Tony, what they were able to do with Arnold Ebiketti, I mean, in one year. You can say what you want about seven and six and four and five. And, you know, they could have, they could, those seasons could have went better, but they're getting guys drafted. They're developing guys. They're getting guys bigger and stronger. Uh, the NFL is aware that Penn State is a place you can get really elite defensive talent. You can almost look at Micah Parsons as a pass rusher now, too. I just think immediate path to playing time. And you know what? Why, why not go to Penn State, get secure my spot as an NFL player? Whereas if I go if I go to LS or Alabama or Georgia, they got about five or six dudes like me, and there's no guarantee I won't play till my third year. These guys are looking to get out in three years if they could stay healthy. Maybe it's starting to make more and more sense to look at a school like Penn State. Yeah, which is both a compliment and not an insult, but it, it kind of speaks to 
they're uh, not po- not lining up guys year after year after year like like the elite of the elites. Um, still in that great category, Bob. That great program category. You know, like I, I think immediate playing time and being you know one of the more talented guys in, in the room right away. I mean, that's uh, Parker's just seemed like he, he liked everything about it, but uh, he he definitely strikes me as an as an NFL guy. Yeah, and uh, they learn they don't all turn out to be NFL players. But Penn, if you look at if you just look at Penn State and you look at their recent drafts, especially uh, at defensive end uh, or edge rusher, they they have gotten a lot of guys drafted. They have they have developed a lot of guys. They've had productive guys. So if you start multiple years at defensive end for Penn State, chances are you're going to get drafted. Look at the the frame. They're lining up that the six four two fifty five frame. I'm pretty sure Chop Robinson is listed as exactly that, and I'm pretty sure Jameel Lyons in twenty three class also listed at six four two fifty five. So I mean, perfectly built for for the Penn State way. Looking at uh, running back, uh, I'm curious your thoughts at, at running back. There's two guys that really Penn State seems to be firmly in the hunt for. One is Trayon Webb, who's a four star. He's listed at 6'1, 205. He's the number five running back in the country in the 24 7 sports composite. Uh, he's from Trinity Christian Academy in Jacksonville, which is where Cam Miller's from. Not uncommon, uh, as you mentioned before, to see Jay Wan Sider tap into Florida, Noah Kane, Kevon Lee, Keziah Holmes, maybe Trey on Webb next. Uh, Penn State's got some movement in terms of 24-7 sports predictions. Steve Wilfong from 24-7 uh, predicted that Penn State would land him. But Penn State also is in this kind of the same position with uh, London Montgomery, who's from Scranton Prep. He's a four-star from there. One kid's from Pennsylvania, so there's some meeting there. One kid's from Florida. There's a pipeline there. Is there a scenario, like I'm certain Penn State will get at least one of these two guys. Would it make any sense to add two running backs in this cycle? I know you need a bunch of them, but they're already pretty well stocked there. Really, really unpredictable position. Uh, the injury factor is is very common, I think. Um, it's it's, it's a, Especially given the schedule Penn State plays in the Big Ten, some of the defenses they go against, uh, throw in a bowl game, which is usually against a pretty physically impressive team. Provided Penn State gets there this year, you know it's it's one of those positions, Dustin, where Penn State is 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 kind of young at running back. If you include Katron Allen and Singleton in the picture, but the rest of those guys in the running back room right now, you could you can make an argument that none of them could easily be back in twenty twenty three. And then what is really Penn State Penn State have? Singleton is is I'm sure thinking about three and out. I think even Katron Allen, who knows what he can do, but. Uh, Devin Ford, I think his his hold on playing time at Penn State is very tenuous. Keziah Holmes is in his third year and really has done nothing at Penn State. There are some guys, I think, and, he, and even Kevon Lee, who I'm a big supporter of. This is his third year, and you know if if, Sing, if Singleton and or Katron Allen pop as good as as much as I think of Kevon Lee, those are different. I think kind of running backs, especially Singleton. I think Franklin will always try and grab two talented four-star or five-star running backs, more more than likely four-stars in every class he should. And I just think it's the same everywhere across the country. The turnover, I think, in the running back room is, is pretty significant. I was doing something on the Minnesota Golden Gophers who Penn State's going to host this year. They're a really good team, and they lost their best running back, Mo Ibrahim. I hope I pronounced that right. You know, He was a first-team All-Big Ten back in 2020. I think he he ripped up his knee in the season opener against Ohio State last year. Didn't play the rest of the year. 
Fleck trotted out four, three other running backs who all averaged like five and a half yards a carry. Um, they had a not, they had a nine win season with some quality wins after losing him, and they really didn't do much in the passing game. And their two top rushers entered the transfer portal immediately after the season. They were both, I think, freshmen. They're at different schools now just because they want to they want to play, but they also know Ibrahim is going to be the guy. So you never know what a running back is thinking. They don't want to sit on the bench. They want to play. There's going to be turnover. So, yeah, Penn State's going to get at least one of those guys. And I think next year you look at the running back room and there's going to be some new faces in that running back room. Well, and especially, you know, if if Kevon Lee's role were to shrink, which, you know, I think there there's a pathway for that to happen. You know, if if Catron Allen and Nick Singleton are both the real deal, that probably eats away at Kevon Lee. And, and, and he, he certainly, I don't think, is going to develop into a workhorse of any kind. Keziah Holmes, you know, if he's the odd man out. And statistically, you look at the four other guys that, that he's with on the, on the depth chart, he's likely to be the odd man out. Um, Devin Ford, I think I, I'm a little surprised he's still in town, frankly. Um, but I think he'll probably see his, his eligibility be exhausted or maybe he goes somewhere as a grad transfer or something. But if, if Kevon Lee or Keziah Holmes were to sour in some way, which again, looks like it's, it's a pretty realistic scenario, then yeah, I mean, two running backs in this class, maybe they don't take one in, in 24 or something to make up for that. But if the young guys take over this year, it could be even younger that the depth chart next year. I think Kevon Lee could, could have a key role on this team this year, but he might want to get 180 or 200 carries somewhere else instead of, you know, 90 to 95 uh, at Penn State. And, you know, he'll be a fourth-year player next year. <laughs> there are a lot of teams that would probably want Kevon Lee, and pretty good teams. The Arkansas coach uh, before the Outback Bowl loved him. Um, and he's probably a little frustrated because, you know, he, he was – I think he was clearly the best running back the last two years. Noah King got hurt in the game against Indiana two years ago. Kevon Lee was clearly the best runner after King got hurt. And even when King came back last year as the year went on, Kevon was the best guy. They, they didn't really feed him. So I'm sure in the back of his mind, there might be some trust issues at Penn State with how they rotate their backs and, ha- and does Mike Yersich really want to commit to the run. So I could see a healthy Kevon Lee emerging from Penn State next year and saying, you know what? I got my degree at Penn State. It's time to play somewhere else where I'm going to get recognized. Last year was kind of puzzling, wasn't it? I mean, I think I think we all went through a, a, like at easily a four or five week stretch saying, "Okay, you need a spark in the run game. Why is Kevon Lee not the the lead back?" And then eventually that uh, that happens, but Penn State did not do that very willingly for whatever reason. Yeah, I I just I scratched my head. It, it it's 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 compounded by the fact that Mike Yersich refuses to talk about it now. So I just, I don't know what the issue is there, but I think sometimes there's too many chefs in the kitchen. I'm sure, I'm sure Cider has a say. I'm sure Yersich has a say in who, how he wants to run the offense and who is the best back. They might've conflicted. James Franklin clearly had some thoughts about them not using the running game enough late. So I just wonder if they couldn't come to a consensus and the running game really suffered, but he was the one guy I thought that physically, uh, with their with their uh, offensive line struggling, he was the one guy who could consistently make uh, something out of nothing, even if it was turning a one yard gain into a three yard gain or a two yard gain into a five yard gain. You know, there were times where they just needed to commit to it and take some of the pressure 
off of Dotson and uh, and Clifford, and they didn't do it. So if you're going to be a four-star runner or five-star runner and you're going to look at Penn State, you know James is going to be here. Um, you're not sure how long uh, Yersich is going to be here, but do you really want to come to Penn State if you're not if, if this is how they're going to run the running backs? I think they have a five-star on campus now in Singleton, and everyone says he's ready to rock. If he would have one of those disjointed years where you and I at the end of the season and the fans are saying, Boy, why didn't they just feature Singleton and Lee exclusively in the running game and feed them? I think I think future running back recruits are like, I don't really know if I want to come to Penn State. Which would be something of a, a twist considering before the 2020 pandemic year when Kane got hurt, uh, before last year when nothing they did really was successful in the running game. They, you know, you have questions about how much the running game really mattered to them. You know, Penn State and the running back position were in really, really good shape when you had Journey Brown emerge. So then, you know, Journey Brown situation, then Noah Kane's injury, it, it kind of leaves some questions about where they are. But, you know, other than your such coming in, Franklin and Sider are still there. I mean, I think there's good reason to believe that they can bring this position back, but I do think they have to, they have to show it. They have to prove it. I think they have to, they have to actually really truly prioritize it, build around it. If you need to make that out your identity, make your offensive linemen feel good. Let them just unleash and try to get downhill and and block guys buy into it. If you buy into it, I think this, this group can be successful because I think there's a talent upgrade at the running back position and, I mean, the the blocking up front, it can only go up, right? Yeah, and I, I do feel like in James's defense, I think when Penn State has had a clear start running back, whether it was Barkley or Miles Sanders, who waited, who actually had to wait a couple years behind Barkley uh, to play, even though he was this gifted runner. I do think James knows when he's got uh, the dude in the backfield, and I do think that will change. Maybe he didn't feel as strongly about Kevon Lee, and actually with Journey Brown, once he established himself, he was the guy. They're trying to keep all those guys happy. They're worried about the transfer portal. I know those are concerns, but if you have a guy that's just a a clear NFL talent uh, and he shows it every day in practice, he works hard, uh, winter conditioning, he's not, you know, he's he's a he's a guy that's not a problem uh, for the program. You got to play him, if not only for the good of the current team, but for the for the good of future recruiting, when you have a star, you got to play the star. And maybe this year, and I know, I know he's only a freshman. I think, I think if James has a good feeling about Singleton, I don't think, the, I do not think he will hesitate to pull the trigger this year on Singleton, kind of making a huge jump up the depth chart. I think Kevon Lee will ultimately be the Akil Lynch in this situation, and Nick Singleton will be that Saquon. Where you know, it, two or three games in, you're like, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Th- th- this is the guy. Like, no disrespect to the to uh, to the other guy, but I think Singleton maybe won't be the week one starter, but it'll be pretty obvious pretty early in the year that he's the guy that gives them the best chance to win. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant. Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Looking at linebacker too here, Bob. Similar conversation. Um, They got three guys who came in in the 22 class, all from Philadelphia, which I kind of like that dynamic. Keon Wiley, Ken Talley, uh, and Abdul Carter, who I'm really, I'm really excited to see what Abdul Carter can maybe do in year one. Uh, they also in the 23 class, sometime in the next two to three weeks, they'll find out about two of their top targets overall, but certainly at the linebacker spot. One is a four star from Virginia named Tony Rojas. He is, uh, set to announce on July 5th. Uh, the other is Tamir Robinson, who's from Pit- the Pittsburgh area, Brashear, uh, due to announce on July 15th. Penn State looks like favorites, slight favorites for both of those guys. Tony Rojas, I don't know if I've watched a kid from high school who is quicker. Uh, just a super fast, you know, he's 6'3", he's, he's a little light right now, like the 205, 210 range, but he can move, man. I think Tamir Robinson, another really intriguing guy. I think he started his high school career at safety and now he's like 6'4", 220. These are, are really interesting players. And I think, you know, one with Pennsylvania roots, one that, He's looking at Clemson and Georgia and Miami and Penn State. Uh, so I think um, if they land both of these guys, this will be an interesting influx of young talent at the linebacker spot, which I feel like they really, really needed um, coming off of last season and looking at what they've got now and, and trying to figure out where this position is going exactly. We'll get some more definition from these Philadelphia guys. Maybe one of them steps into a into the two deep uh, this fall. And then these 23 guys, I think there's a chance that these guys can get the, into the pipeline and, and elevate this position some. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dustin, but none of the None of the Philadelphia guys enrolled in January. I think a couple, at least one or two might have played in the, that big 33 uh, scrimmage that was uh, over the Labor Day or the Memorial Day weekend. And uh, but it would have been I think it would have been great if they could have got at least one of them in, because I, I, I agree with everything you said. There's a real chance that, you know, Curtis Jacobs after this year, if he takes another step forward, I don't know why he would come back on the 2023 roster, because he was playing some really good football at the end of last year. And they just don't have another, you know, of guys that are, that are already on campus. You look at that linebacker depth chart, and I know that Kobe King is a guy that I think they really like. But, you know, they're, they're starting essentially a, a, a bulked-up safety in Jonathan Sutherland at that star outside, whatever you want to call that position. And they really need some depth players. They really need some youth they can feel good about because – they need a couple of these Philadelphia guys, I think, to to to, to flash in August, and I I, I de- definitely think they need a couple of these linebacker recruits to come to Penn State because that linebacker room could look is going to look very different next year, and I don't know when you when you look at them before these uh, August guys that are set to practice, I don't know if how how good you feel about the linebacker room without Curtis Jacobs, so. I agree with you. I'm not sure. If, I think I think the game is trending towards more four-two-five sets, where the third linebacker really isn't a linebacker. They're trying to get as much speed as possible on the field. They're Penn State's training, cross-training, hybrid players that can play multiple positions. But the, I think the days of a classic three-down linebacker that really 
is 235 pounds, plays in the middle, is real rugged against the run. We can live with his pass coverage. I don't think that player really exists anymore. Um, so I agree with you. They're going to have to get a couple four stars into the program, and they're going to have to develop one or two of these Philadelphia kids very quickly. I hope they do like them because linebacker, it's it's really not linebacker you anymore. I know a lot of the fans think that, but like, that's not really where the game, I think, is won on defense. It's, it's you got to be able to affect the pass rusher. You got to be able to be, have have really really good coverage guys, and it's about third down stops. So uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what what uh, Manny Diaz has to say about the Philadelphia kids in August, and also how many of these guys that are coveted linebacker recruits can Penn State get to Penn State. I think what they have to say, and if you can sense some real enthusiasm about these Philadelphia guys, it can help dictate what happens in 2022. Because you know there there are some spots on that too deep. Even before you get into injury situations, uh, that, that they're going to need somebody young to step into those roles. So how they feel about the Philadelphia guys will dictate that. I think it will also dictate, you know, are you a player in the transfer market after next season? You know, if Curtis Jacobs moves on, I mean, the development of these Philadelphia guys and how, how ready they can be, um, at least in 2023 will dictate if they, if they have to go shopping at all to help stabilize things while these young guys come along. You look at who Penn State's playing this year. You look at some of the running backs they're going to face. Purdue, they open with, and that's not really a running team. But Tank Bigsby in week three. Trevion Henderson's coming to State College. Blake Corum, uh, the Michigan back, is coming to State College. Mo Ibrahim, the Minnesota running back who led the Big Ten in rushing two years ago, is coming. These are big physical teams. And, you know, if the defensive line gets blocked, who's going to make the tackle on these guys? It's you're counting on Jair Brown to make a hundred tackles. I, I don't. I think that's not really his strength. He can do that, but he's really more. I think of a. Uh, he's a great pass defender. They need linebackers they can trust. They need linebackers that um, can be two or three down guys. And other than Curtis Jacobs, by the way, Curtis Jacobs is. I, I'm guessing he's around 230 pounds, and he's going to make the transition. I think to the will, which is more of an in, in the box linebacker. He can do so many things on defense, but man. As long as you don't, as long as you don't do anything to limit his ability, his ability to, to close on plays, his speed, or really his calling cards, I, I, I'm I'm a little curious about how that move's going to work out if he's going to play this season at 230 pounds because you do take a beating. There's a reason why Brandon Smith played at almost 245 pounds. There's a reason why Micah Parsons played at 240 plus. So I hope it works out, but they need some linebackers that are maybe closer to 235, 240 that can run. They can't just Trying to bulk up 205 pounders to play at 225, it works for one of the linebacker positions, but maybe not inside. And we saw last year that when Wisconsin and Illinois, uh, whenever, uh, you know, late, whenever Tank Bigsby started to take over, when teams really committed to the run and wanted to get downhill and wanted to be physical with this Penn State defense, they were more or less successful. Now, last year, it was in that defense's personality to, to be able to get off the field, to be able to find that play and that, that gets them off the field. But there's no Jaquan Brisker. You know, there's no, I, 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 you don't know if the personality of the, of this year's defense will be the same thing. So, you know, to, to be a little bit more reliable getting off the field against these running teams should be a priority. I think that James uh, and his recruiters are off to a great start again this summer, but I, I also think that they definitely have an eye towards the, the near future, not the far off future. Cause I think they're looking at their depth chart 
especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm sure they're like, and they're and even at running back, and they're like, boy, things are going to change in a hurry. If we're not going to add a lot of guys in the transfer portal, we got to be really, really diligent and and hit on some really consistently hit on some good players every class. And to be able to go into Alabama and get a four star like that, it's a really good sign. And a lot of these guys, I think, are looking at Penn State and saying, hey, man, they develop their players. They get into the NFL now. They've proven it the last four years. I'll go to Penn State and play. And if and I think if we can turn the program around and get back to 10 win seasons, that's a bonus. And uh, you're looking at the 22 class, which was really, really good, a top 10 class. It looks like, you know, they're number four in the country right now in 2023, especially if you are going to add one of those two running backs. You're going to add at least one of those two linebackers. There's a really good chance that Penn State goes back to back with top 10 classes. And those are are good enough. You know, Ohio State's going to be top one, top two. So they're on a different level but it's good enough to get back into that 10 win category if they can keep stringing these together the 20 the 2020 and 2021 classes the covid impacted classes they were uncharacteristically down you know when it comes to quality and quantity of really good players but i think they're getting back to where they were before i i do agree with you and i think uh, it's funny we're talking about penn state success and i think in a span of like seven hours Ohio State landed two five-star wideouts. And it's just, it's just, they just, the way they stack blue chips, it's unbelievable. And it's, you know, they got everything going for them. They've proven it on the field. They develop players too. But I, I'm not trying to detract from anything Franklin's doing, but it, we're, ta- we're talking about a really successful run for Penn State. And you look, you know, you look seven, seven hours to, by car to the, to the West where Columbus is. And these guys are absolutely murdering it. And even I'm pretty sure Parker committed and they got another Ohio State got another five star wide receiver like 15 minutes after Parker committed, you know, right. Bang. Just a a, a nice little refresher about uh, about what they're doing. And especially at the wide receiver spot, like nobody's going to cover those guys. I don't (laughs) care who you recruit. Nobody's covering those guys. Yeah. And the court, and that's why they get all the five-star quarterbacks. They're like, yeah, maybe it does start with wide receiver. I want to throw to those guys because they're going to make me look good, and I'm going to make them look really good, and everyone's going to get paid. Yeah, there you go. As, speaking of quarterbacks, by the way, is there anything you'd like to add about Sean Clifford going to the the Manning Passing Academy? One of these days, I just want to figure out, like, what, so what is the benefit, I guess, of doing it? I think, I mean, they're going to be essentially, a, they're, it's a prestigious passing academy. And I'm sure they get something from it, but they're also, I think, camp counselors for the top high school prospects. But, you know, and it's at a, it's at a time of the year where, I mean, you know, Sean or whoever, I think Christian Hackenberg went. I think I think Trace might have gotten invited too. But I, I just wonder what did the actual college quarterbacks get out of the experience other than the fact that it looks pretty nice to say, hey, yeah, I rubbed elbows with the Manning family. I want to know if Arch Manning might be the best quarterback on <laughs> <laughs> either college or prep in the, at the academy. And I'm, I'm including Peyton and Eli because that guy apparently is, is just uh, ridiculous. But I think it's great for Sean. Hopefully he can get something out of it. Other than actually getting down there and getting to meet a lot of great people and network, I don't know what that's going to mean for his season. Do you? Uh, I mean, I think it probably helps to be around like-minded people and people who can help you elevate in some way or another. But I would say this about Sean. I don't think that there's been any stone that he's left unturned to try to get the most out of himself. And and a guy who does that, 
on on a personal level, like I'm just rooting for Sean Clifford to get the return on the work that he's put in. You know, like hard work at that position doesn't guarantee you anything, but like he's done everything he possibly can. And whether we're talking about football or whatever, like I am going to root on on some level for a guy like that to get some kind of reciprocal return out of that. Yeah, he I mean, I, I think between the strength and size that he's added, I remember he he worked diligently to become everyone thought of him as as just a pocket passer, um, even though he made plays as a as a runner in in high school, and he was actually his speed became similar to Trace's what time speed. He worked hard on his speed. He's actually had some long runs at Penn State. He certainly has enough arm. Twenty nineteen and twenty twenty one, I think both seasons started pretty well, but health is really what's held him back. So you're right. He's put the work in. If he, he needs to stay healthy more than anything at this point in his career, because if he has another injury like last year, it really doesn't matter about all the work that he's put in. He's, he's going to be, if he's physically limited, but he certainly has put himself in position to have his best year. I would agree with that. And how about not giving him 180 carries this year? Let's, yeah. let's, let's go that, let's go that route. They did it to Sean. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where they just, and that's, I think, I think that hopefully 50, 60, 70 carries fine, but the the risk reward is just simply not there, especially if you don't really feel great about the experience level behind Sean and you're not really committed to developing that talent before the season. Like, why risk it? Maybe in the red zone, but that's it. Maybe he should. Maybe what he'll learn at the passing academy is from Peyton um, how not to uh, how not to escape the pocket. Stay in there. <laughs> Stay in there and see what happens. All right, that's Bob Flanders. I'm Dustin Hawkins, but this has been the Blue White Breakdown. Remember to check out all of our Penn State podcasts daily on Alexa, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and YouTube. Everything else we do at penlive.com slash Penn State football. Thanks for tuning into this edition of the Blue White Breakdown, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>